Very good noon, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a little bit warm in here, but it's okay, hopefully. I don't mind myself. So, welcome, everybody. This is the meditation class for the experts. <laughs> because if you are a beginner in meditation, uh, in the room to the right of this hall, there is the beginner uh, class. Yeah. But uh, most of you I've seen before, so that's why I call you experts. <laughs> Although sometimes when we have been meditating for many years, w we don't feel like experts sometimes. Because it's like you're just so restless or so tired or whatever, it feels like it's your first time meditating. Or like you never learned anything <laughs> and at those moments it can sometimes be um, that you start judging yourself for your meditation like it should not be this way I should know better stupid mind behave uh, be calm and today I want to talk a bit about that attitude and talk a bit about what the Buddha called the signless meditation. It's a little bit of a technical term. When you hear signless meditation, you think, what is that? That does not make much sense. So I'll, today I will explain a little bit about how you can think about that and how you might be able to use that in your meditation. That idea of the Buddha. Now, first of all, I should say in meditation, our minds are always in a different place. and. Um, the Buddha gave many meditation techniques and one thing I always do when I sit down to meditate or walk to meditate or lie down to meditate sometimes well, the first thing I do is I check my mind and see what it is like is it today, is it sleepy, is it um, angry, is it restless or whatever and depending on that I decide what is the best way to meditate for that day. So, therefore, as a meditation teacher, it's sometimes difficult because all your minds might be in different places and sometimes you have to do something different from what I'm telling you. <laughs> because what I might tell you today, the instructions I might give you today might not be appropriate for you at this moment. But you've all meditated before so you can use any other techniques that you've been taught by, for example, Ajahn Brahm, Ajahn Brahmari or whoever. And you can apply those techniques as well and just ignore everything I say. <laughs> I won't punish you for that. <laughs> and I won't be able to tell anyway because I, I can't see in your minds anyway. So, With that in mind, let me talk a little bit about this signless meditation. We, as human beings, if you are anything like the ordinary human being, you are often very quick to judge things, especially yourself. I got a little story about this just to uh, lighten up the atmosphere a bit. There was once in India, a long time ago, there was a farmer. And the farmer worked very hard. And the farmer also kept a cow. Like in India, many of the households, they have their own cow. 
and the farmer also had his cow. And what happened? One time the cow was missing from the field. It walked away. And then the farmer went to the wise monk in the, in the village. And he went to the monk and said, Oh no, my, the, the, my cow walked away. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. And the monk said, Maybe, maybe not. The next day, the farmer went out to look for his cow, look all over the village, look in the forest. And he did not find his cow. But what he did find was a horse, just an abandoned horse. And wow, a horse is much more expensive than a cow, much more useful, can plow much stronger, you can sit on his back and walk around. So the farmer, really happy, took the horse to back to his farm. And he went back to the wise monk in the village again and said, wow, I found a horse. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And the monk said, maybe, maybe not. The next day, the... Uh, the, uh, the farmer decided that the horse needed a little bit of training and his son was to do the training. So the son sat on the back of the horse and was trying to ride the horse. And what did the horse do? It threw off the son from the back of the horse. And the son fell on the ground and broke his arm and now he could not help his father anymore in the village or in the farm sorry could not help his fa father on the farm anymore so of course you know what happened the farmer went to the wise monk and said oh, my son broke his arm that's the worst thing that ever happened to me and the wise monk said maybe maybe not <laughs> and uh, what happened the next day the army came into the village to recruit the young man for the war that was going on at the front. And we're warring, there was war going on with the neighboring country. And they came to the father's farm as well to recruit his son. But the son had a broken arm, so they could not fight in the army. So he stayed at home. And then the farmer went to the wise monk and said again, Ah, my son did not go into the army. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And the wise monk said, maybe, maybe not. And you know, this story went on and on and on. But I'll stop there. <laughs> the point being that we, so we are like that farmer. Where we judge so quickly. And also in our meditation. We sit down. Ah, we don't think this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Or the worst thing that ever happened to me. But we do often have this attitude of oh, this is good and this is bad. This is what I should do and this is what I should not do. Yeah, we have um, aversion and attraction as the Buddha would call it. We are averse to certain things and we are attracted to other things. Like uh, the kind of attraction that comes from desire. Like... Um, like uh, this is what this is um, what I should be doing, or this is good and bad. Those kind of opposites we have. Th do you recognize that in your mind? Yeah. So the signless meditation, the signless, a sign is something that points at something. Like you got the sign out at the road and might point to uh, 
to serpentine or whatever. Yeah, so the signless meditation, I like to think of it as a pointerless meditation. When we decide that things are good or bad in our meditation, we, like we're po we point our mind in a certain direction. Mind, this is good, you should go that way. Mind, this is bad, you should go the other way. Yeah, so we, um, we, we point our minds in certain directions. Now, the idea of the signless meditation, or one of the ideas anyway, is to not give ourselves those kind of pointers, to not judge things as good or bad, as what we should do or what we shouldn't do. Yeah? So, for example, you might meditate, and because it's a bit warm in here, and I said that, by the way, so people put the fans on, and now they're on, so <laughs> quiet, silent hint. But... Uh, you might, it's still a bit warmer, so you might sit and meditate and you become t sleepy. What do you do? Are you going to judge it? Ah, oh, this is bad. This is not what I should be doing. No, you're just going to not judge it, not react to that. And see what happens if you don't give those kind of pointers. You'll see that you lose a lot of control in a meditation. Because control is all about pointing your mind in a certain direction. Or even if you control other people, you tell them what to do. Go there, do this, do that. Yeah. So in the signless meditation, we don't do that. We don't give those kind of instructions to the mind. And just let it find its own way. And you will find that it can be quite challenging. Yeah, because we're so used to think that we're in control of our mind. But just let go of that control. And especially of the judging things as good and bad. And just let the mind find its own way in meditation. And in a way, this is just another mm, uh, way to think about just letting go. Letting things be. But just with a little bit more of uh, flavor to it, this signless thing, yeah? And you can see the judging as good and bad, and you find, in a, w in a sense, the middle way between that. And to not judge things, and just let things settle naturally. I hope that makes some sense. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have any... Um, any objective meditation at all per se yeah but when an i'm by an object i mean something the mind focuses on but let that focus of the mind also come naturally don't force it you often have been taught meditation on the breath for example so you force your mind on the breath or you put your mind on the breath uh, you can do that if you want, but if you want to practice this signless meditation, you might uh, also not give that pointer to the mind, like the pointer towards the breath. Just let the mind just be in sort of like what they sometimes call bare awareness. And if you do that, you might find that the mind automatically picks up the breath just because it's nice, I mean, you've done it so often, but it's not forced, it comes by itself. And when it comes by itself, it's so much easier to stay with the breath or with any other meditation object that comes naturally.
it just stays with you. Instead of you putting the mind on the object, the object in a way comes to you. But the basic instruction here is to not point the mind in any direction. Just let it find its own route in meditation and to not judge things, especially not judge things as good or bad. That is the way to do what the Buddha called the signless meditation, the animata, samadhi is the Pali term. And yeah, that might be another useful way to think about meditation. So I actually wanted today to all just meditate together uh, without me saying too much more. I know it's usually a guided meditation, but some people also ask me, I just find it very beneficial to come here together and meditate in a group. And maybe you can sometimes also just uh, not guide us and let us just find our own way in meditation. So today I want to do that. Um, afterwards, if you, if you find that very... Uh, unhelpful and you, that's not why you come here just come to me and let me know give me a bit of feedback but today I want to try it that way so those instructions I've given you you can apply them if you want and we will just sit for 45 minutes in quiet I will ring the bell in a minute uh, for us to start and then at after 45 minutes are over I will ring it again so you don't have to worry about the time okay does that sound like a good idea yeah okay
All right. Excellent. So I gave you some instructions about the signless meditation, as it's called. And whenever I give some instructions, I also follow them myself. And when I got a bit sleepy in meditation or a little bit restless, I did not start judging it. I just let my mind naturally find a way and not to point my mind in a certain direction that I desire or point my mind in a certain direction because I'm averse to sleepiness, for example. No, I don't do those things. And instead, just let the mind find peace by itself. And sometimes that can be a very helpful attitude to have in meditation. So I hope that was helpful for you. And um, now it's time for questions. If any of you has any questions, please raise your hand and uh, Brandon will come with the microphone. Hi. Um, my question is uh, to do with attachment. And uh, last night you were saying you came from Holland and went straight to Bodhinyana. And then you were there for 10 years. And uh, so you like it there, I think. So mm -hmm. that's like attachment. And then there's something the Buddha... I don't know if you yeah. do or not, but I want to ask you this question. Then there's something like detachment or not wanting to be attached or being repelled. And that's one. And then there's the middle one, which is neutral. But then I was thinking there's something else, which is you don't care. Right. I like to ask you what you think about you don't care kind of feeling because yeah. it doesn't fit into attachment, repelling and neutral. It's like, it right. seems like a fourth one. I see what, what you're saying. And sometimes not caring is, if I get what you're saying, if, if I get what you mean by I don't care, it's sometimes a little bit of a negative attitude, like uh, I don't care, whatever. Behind that is like... Um, um, yeah, n n like negativity in a sense, in my experience. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, n not too much, but like hidden negativity in a way. Or just the lack of energy could also be the case. Like you don't have energy, oh, I don't care about anything, whatever. Yeah. And sometimes that cannot, that is not a very helpful attitude because you might say, oh, I don't care about meditation, I don't care about the Buddha's teachings, <laughs> or whatever, and then yeah, you don't get very far on the path. So that kind of not caring is uh, not very wholesome. Yeah? So, but sometimes, depends on how you think about it, sometimes not caring uh, might be a wholesome thing, but it de depends on what you mean by not caring, of course. Yeah. 
but I hope you get what I'm saying that often when we say I don't care it's it's like a negative attitude or a lack of energy or other ho unwholesome states behind that yeah no the middle way is not not caring actually you care a lot yeah, like like loving kindness that is like caring for yourself and others yeah. so it's not not caring it's like uh, just being in a way detached in in a way we just sort of it's a semantics you know is playing with words what do you mean by not caring but it's not in the middle way is never uh out of negativity yeah it's not no oh okay right right yeah yeah if, if you mean the same thing by i don't care as what i, I mean, if there's life on planet y i don't care yeah that feeling yeah 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 so that is often a, in my experience anyway comes from a lack of energy and a lack of happiness yes and that is not the the middle way the middle way of taught by the buddha actually uh, he taught a lot about finding happiness and strength of mind and courage and those kind of things um, to be able to let go and if you don't have a happy mind and then you s maybe try to let go then you get into these attitudes of oh, i don't care whatever yeah that's so that's what i meant by negativity you're not really happy you're not really bright uh, and that sort of stuff yeah so that's not the middle way maybe somebody else can also comment upon that if they want but we've got a few more questions actually over here uh, we've got from sandra as well and over in the back i just want to ask about the meditation today not almost like aimless so you're not having an aim you're not driving it you're just laying back so then what happened to me was I went to my habitual thing 20 years ago when I first started meditating. Um, right. I went there rather than what I do currently. So obviously there is a driver in me when I do meditate. And when I let go of that, it goes to the old habit. Right. So how do you, not that I want to overcome it, but how do you then find a way that is suitable for you when you do those practices that goes back to old habit which is not that good so so what what was the old habit again um so i feel pain in, so i want to i just feel pain in my feet right. i don't feel rest of my body generally okay and then i stay with the pain right ajahn right, brahm right. says don't do it through pain but i just stay with the pain yeah so as i also said at the start of the meditation um I teach one thing and it may not be always applicable to everybody that's the difficulty of being a meditation teacher so if you find that this approach of not pointing your mind in a certain direction is not helpful for you then maybe you have to actually point it in a certain direction say okay don't stay with the pain but just be with something more pleasant yeah sometimes we have a fault-finding attitude or just uh, an attraction towards physical pain and that can be unhelpful yeah so in that case i would say uh, bring your mind to something else but then you can still have that same attitude afterwards like you bring your mind onto something 
more pleasant and then you can still have the general attitude of not judging uh, after that. Yeah. It's a good question, thank you. Meditation is really like uh, learning for yourself what's wholesome and what's not, what leads to peace and what leads to happiness. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering about my friend's question. So, is it um, a question with a flavour of equanimity, not more like a, I don't care and I'd have a strong desire towards that, I don't have a strong aversion to that, good, bad, who knows, it just is what it is. I don't actually attach care to it either way. I don't know, was that what you were getting at? I'm just guessing. Yeah, I think people think of different things when we say, I don't care. That's what I meant with, with semantics, yeah. yeah so. When I say I don't care, then it comes for me from a negative point of view usually. Oh, I don't care about you, venerable. <laughs> for example, I, I, I don't think that way, by the way. But yeah, That's what I mean by I don't care. But yeah. Okay, all right, you mean it like not important. See, that's what I mean. We mean different things. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I hope our answers were some helpful anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hi. Um, I've got a question. Um, when I was younger, um, I was able to meditate through, you know, physical pain, like a numbing of a leg and all of that. As I got older, uh, I haven't been able to do it. Like I have to move. I find it really difficult that when I start to nut, when my foot or my leg begins to numb... I get a physiological like response where I just sweat and then all of a sudden there's shallow breathing. Okay. Actually not sure what to do with that. It's yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be with it. One one important thing is always take good care of your body. I see you're sitting on the floor and maybe that's the most comfortable way for you, but don't feel afraid to sit on a chair. We've even got the uh, luxurious white chair over there. You can use that as well. If you take good care of your body, it's much less likely that your legs will get numb and you're more comfortable. Sometimes I even meditate lying down when my body is really uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, the danger is you might fall asleep, but at least you, you are, your, your leg doesn't get numb. <laughs> so. Always take care of your body, first of all. Yeah. And as we get older, we have to uh, take more and more care of our bodies because they become more uh, fragile. And when you're young, you might sit in a, best po in a bad posture and it's all fine, you don't notice because your, your body is still very flexible and easy to heal itself. But when you get older, you have to be more careful with how you sit and uh, that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, if you want to uh, add to that. When you mean more careful, do you mean just be in a comfortable position? Yeah, more like careful as in make make 
pay more attention to your posture and make, uh, make sure that you sit in a comfortable way that you can hold for a long time. Also, don't be afraid to move around a little bit if you need to from time to time. Like maybe you sit cross-legged, maybe halfway through the meditation, you just change which leg is up and which leg is down. That's all perfectly fine. Yeah. Just sitting through physical discomfort is never, never useful. It's never been useful to me in meditation. So I never do that myself. I don't see any benefits in that. So as as, lo as long as you can, try to make yourself comfortable. Of course, sometimes we are in pain regardless of what we do. We are, might be uncomfortable whatever way we sit, but then we learn to deal with it through equanimity. But at least don't create the problem yourself in the first place, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Not saying that you do, but that's just one answer I could could give. Yeah. Okay, I will have a look at the questions from the internet then. If, if there are any. Oh. Mm. Does this work? <laughs> ah. Oh. Oh, that's a lot of questions. Okay, I'll do... Uh, I'll do some uh, quick-fire questions. Um, please, can you explain the meaning of moon mind and sun mind? What is the difference and what is better? Yes, the answer is I can't. I don't know what moon mind and sun mind are. actually never heard of that before. Mm, day and night, uh, Venerable says. Another question. Hello, how do... How does letting go and making breath the object, object of meditation work together? Uh, ideally, if you let go of controlling and just le letting everything become calm, then the breath becomes uh, the object of meditation naturally because you sit there, you, your mind becomes really quiet and relaxed and your body becomes quiet and relaxed and the most prominent thing that's still going on in your body is the breath and it automatically our mind uh, picks it up uh, as the object as it were yeah? so the breath comes to you instead of you going after the breath and after that if your breath is your object of meditation sometimes people teach breath meditation in the following way okay focus on the breath breathe in and breathe out and whenever you lose the breath then put your mind straight back on the breath again. Now, when I train myself like that, it's like sometimes I just do half a breath and I lose, lose awareness already and I put the mind back again and I put the mind back again, put the mind back again. And that just tires the mind out in a subtle way and it doesn't really work. So ideally the breath just becomes so nice and pleasant that you don't have to do any of that putting the mind back on it. It just becomes... Um, so beautiful that it's automatic that you focus on it and then you can let go of everything else that's going on around you and all the rest of your body so that's how they work together in two ways first of all you let go 
of control, the breath comes naturally. And that's one way of letting go and the breath work together. And the other way is if the breath becomes beautiful, it encourages you to let go of everything else as well. Question from Seville. Dear Venerable, when I do the meditation, by taking out the part of the body, for example, the brain, heart, then the whole body is getting warm. Can you explain, please? Um, well, maybe you're also meditating in Australia where it's 27 degrees in this hall currently. Maybe that's why your body is getting warm. I, I have a temperature here. But uh, maybe it's just... Um, Sometimes, I've heard this, I don't have this in my personal experience, but Ajahn Brahm sometimes says when you focus on the body, sometimes it uh, starts glowing because it's some injuries that are healing. Uh, some past injuries might be healing. I'm not sure if that uh, is the case, it's what Ajahn Brahm says. So that might be what's going on. Um, other than that, I... Uh, I'm not sure, but it's definitely not really something to worry about. Don't worry, you won't set yourself on fire or something <laughs> by getting warmer and warmer. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So uh, that's the main thing. Don't worry. Okay, still a couple more. So I'm sorry that I don't answer these questions in much detail, but otherwise we would be here for too long. Um, does it mean? You do not choose ways of meditation. For example, you choose do you do not choose whether to do metta meditation or meditation on impermanence. That's yet let the mind choose on its own. Yes, exactly. Sometimes it's helpful to uh, have a certain uh, object of meditation, like metta or impermanence. But very often, it's also very helpful to just be there and let go and and let the mind find its own way. And then often you'll find it might pick up the breath or it might start doing metta automatically uh, even. If you've done a lot of metta meditation and it becomes such a natural state of mind that you just sit there and you let go and metta comes automatically. And then you don't need to point your mind towards it. Yeah, you don't need to design in a way as the Buddha would call it because it comes to you by itself. That is different. That is not pointing the mind towards it. That is just what what is in front of you anyway. Yeah. So it's just this signless meditation that I've been talking. It's just another way to think about letting go, basically. And letting go, you will have heard other monks and nuns teach a lot about. But it's just a, another way to think about it. Yeah. To not point the mind in an, any direction. To not judge anything as good or bad. Is mindfulness of breathing the only way to fulfill the four satipatthanas? The answer is no, it's not, uh, but it is the most prominent way in the suttas uh, that the Buddha teaches, but it's not the only way. Mm. You, uh, you don't actually need to even do mindfulness of breathing to attain the jhanas and the four satipatthanas this is a little bit technical for people who are into suttas and stuff the four satipatthanas are 
ways to abandon the hindrances, the, the hindrances that stand in the way of deep states of peace inside the mind. And these deep states of peace we call the jhanas. So you do the satipatthana practice, the mindfulness um, meditation practices, uh, primarily to let go of these hindrances. And when these hindrances are fully let go, the mind enters these deep states of mind. But you do not have to do mindfulness of breathing for that. You can also get that through other ways as well. In meditation to stop judging, Venerable Sunyo's whatever attitude, what in, in quotes, whatever attitude works great. Are there other techniques to stop judging in meditation or general? Thanks for all the talks. Yeah, I sometimes give an, a technique that you just sit there and it's similar to this uh, signless meditation. You, you sit meditation and you just tell yourself, oh, whatever, whatever happens, it's fine. This is the whatever attitude. It's almost the same as I don't care, but uh, to me, whatever has a little bit less negativity attached to it. So, whatever. <laughs> and apparently when I taught this, there was a lady watching it online. She, she came to me afterwards and said, oh, I always uh, meditate together with my kid. And he also learned this in school to always say whatever, whatever. And it really annoyed um his his mother that he always would say whatever like you have to eat your your dinner whatever <laughs> then she said but this was the first time that he could relate to the meditation <laughs> because you taught whatever meditation but anyway that whatever is just uh, one way to uh, get you to let go of uh, striving and of wanting things and being adverse to things like you're restless Whatever, I'm just restless, that's fine. I'm only going to sit here and meditate for, I, know, I don't know, an hour or so. It doesn't matter if I'm restless for an hour. The world won't come to an end, so whatever. You know, <laughs> why worry about that? And um, these little phrases are sometimes very helpful. So you, you might invent your own phrase like, uh, don't worry, or uh, I'm just sitting here. That's a, that's the way they do sometimes in in uh, Zen tradition of Buddhism. They have this thing called zazen, and it, they just say just sit there. That's the the only instruction you get. Just sit there. Nothing about the breath or about jhanas or abandoning hindrances. No, just sit there. And in a way, that's all like a signless meditation. Like they don't point you even what to do. They just point you to the cushion. That's all. Oh, like just sit there. That's everything. They say that's another way to sort of uh, stop judging and to stop controlling. And that's actually also why I did not really give you any guided meditation after my first talk. And the reason is that if I would say, okay, relax, find peace, and all those things that I might usually say during the guided meditation, then I am already giving you pointers. <laughs> so I would like contradict my own earlier talk. So that's why I actually I did not give any instructions. So that's another way. And there's many ways you can also tell yourself whatever I attain in meditation, the Buddha taught it is impermanent anyway. So why would I strive so hard? Yeah? 
whatever I attain is gonna change again. Like, especially in this tradition, you, you hear a lot of talk about the jhanas and they sound very beautiful and they are, but they are also impermanent. So with that attitude, like, okay, it's impermanent, you already crave less for those kind of states and meditation becomes easier. And you might also think, oh, I've been ha meditating with all this desire and aversion. What good has it done for me? How far have I gotten in meditation? Yeah. How much did those mind states help me? And uh, if you look carefully, you might find that they don't help you much at all. So that's just another way to stop judging and stop um, controlling as much. So, as were lots of questions, hopefully some useful answers. Um, okay, so I want to thank everybody here. I want to thank everybody online for your attention and for meditating together. And I suggest we now um, pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. Patipano Bhagavato Savaja Sango Sangan Mamano